Ready to Recycles Plastic is the education and engagement part of the recycling charity Recoup. We provide the link between the consumer and the plastics industry. By working with Recoup members, we will ask your questions directly to the experts and provide you with the recycling facts about plastic products that we all use in our day-to-day -day lives. Our focus is to cut the confusion around plastics recycling. Today I'm joined by Franz Kraus of Teepa and we'll be talking about compostables. Hello Franz, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Teepa? Hi Amanda, um, well, my name is Franz Kraus. I work for Teepa, an Israeli startup uh, that's been around for, for quite a while and that is specialising in um, flexible solutions for compostable packaging. Um, I, I'm actually based in Brussels, in Belgium, and uh, I do public affairs for TIPA, uh, also for the UK market. So as long as I could still travel there, I was there quite often. We are to be coming back again soon. And we always like to see you, friends, so that's really nice. <laughs> okay, so you are our man today for all about compostables. <laughs> First of all, you know, can you explain to us what do we mean when we're told something is compostable. What is this compostable? But compostable uh, means that uh, uh, something biodegrades in a compost environment. And uh, so it, uh, it breaks down faster than it would usually do in, uh, in a natural environment by, uh, by adding heat to it, by adding more oxygen to it. Um, so compostable packaging, for example, breaks down uh, to a molecular level in a compost heap and um, this means that you add oxygen, oxygen and heat to it. You specifically design the polymers in, uh, in, in this product so that it can break down. But um, as a general thing, everything biodegrades. So whatever it is, rocks or fruit or whatever biodegrades over time, uh, conventional plastic does so as well. So, but it takes a little bit longer. It takes hundreds and thousands of years even uh, for compostable uh, uh, packaging, it's uh, much faster. Uh, if it complies with uh, current standards, um, it has to break down within a maximum of six months. If it's uh, in, uh, in an industrial compost environment and a maximum of 12 months, if it's in a home compostable environment. Okay, so if we put stuff in our compostables at home, we can. it's gonna take about a year for it to totally as long as it is home compostable, because it's a different type of polymer that you produce. Excellent. So uh, if, it, if something is home compostable, it has more requirements to it than, uh, uh, than if it's industrially compostable. Okay. So from what you're saying there, I'm just making sure I'm understanding it. So we've got biodegradable and compostable materials. Everything eventually biodegrades, but compostables just do it faster. Is that? They, it, they do it faster and you have to have a certain environment for it. Yeah. It just, if you, if you throw it out in the environment, it probably breaks down faster as well, but it should not never go there. It needs, it's destined end of life is a compost environment to make sure that the design for which it was designed is actually uh, giving it uh, uh, the end of life it's destined uh, to be. And uh, it actually breaks down. Okay. In the time frame it's supposed to break down. And maybe because you mentioned three different things, there is a material that's designed to be 
biodegradable. We are not in this business. There is a, a material produced for the agricultural businesses where you cannot have a compost environment where it has to break down in a natural environment. There's uh, things like uh, uh, fish nets that are produced for marine environment where it, uh, uh, if it claims biodegradability, it has to degrade in a marine environment. But our material which we produce is compostable. That means it breaks down in a compost environment. Okay, so how do we know if something can be, um, sorry, how do we dispose of compostables and how do we know whether they can be composted at home? There is, a, there is certification schemes out there and you have to comply to very strict rules. And only if you comply to those rules can you claim compostability on your product. Uh, there's rules out there that uh, uh, do punish misleading claims. And uh, so only uh, things that are actually industrially or home compostable should be claimed on the pack. And uh, there's rules, there's even legislation out there that defines on what can be called compostable and what cannot be called compostable. Okay, so it's really important that we read the labels and check what's on the label. Yeah. Labels for one, should they, there's more work that should be done to harmonize the labels. Maybe that more work should be done also to flag uh, in a much more visual way of what is compostable and what is not. So we are working together with other actors on that uh, across other markets in the EU and elsewhere, uh, but also in the UK to find ways of uh, marking, uh, or have visual markings for your packaging that shows you that it is compostable or it isn't. No, that's a good idea. Um, so, okay, if, so if I've got a compostable carrier bag and I don't realize that it is compostable and I take it to my local store and I put it in their flexible and wrappings recycling, is that going to cause a problem? Well, first of all, as I said, you shouldn't be putting it there because the destined end of life is a compost site. Yeah, so for us, the holy grail is to get into the organic uh, waste collections. So, uh, and uh, UK as in the rest of Europe, um, uh, will make this mandatory to collect organic waste by 2024. And um, so for us, uh, uh, our destined or uh, the best way of getting uh, to our destined end of life for our products is to get our products into the organic waste collection. Yeah, there's also things like take back schemes that will, will help you if you have online sales, for example, it will help you bring your things back. There's certain uh, schemes out there that are closed loop. So you make sure that when you throw away your compostable material with your food waste, uh, you only have compostable material in there and no other plastic that will con uh, contaminate your organic waste stream. On the other way around, you also will want to make sure that uh, your uh, plastic recycling waste streams will not contain any compostable uh, packaging because it's a different polymer. Yes. So it will, it will not work, it, it may work uh, theoretically, you could potentially mechanically recycle uh, um, compostable packaging, but it doesn't make any sense because the destined end of life is a compost site. Yeah. So, which is in, in countries which have the solutions around for a lot longer, other than the UK, uh, it, has it was demonstrated that um, if you collect are your compostable material with the organic waste streams 
also your mechanical uh, recycling waste streams will be less contaminated with other material. If you reduce the contamination in your organic waste stream of having plastic at the end, uh, at the end of it, or microplastics at the end of it, and you reduce the contamination of your mechanical recycling waste streams by getting the right material in there. Yeah, that makes sense. Putting all the right things in the right places. We've definitely talked about that previously. Okay, so here's a strange one that we've been, um, somebody's asked us about. And they said that some local authorities ask that compostable food liners are removed and put into the general waste instead. Any thoughts on why that might be at all? Because we, we were a bit confused by that one. But as long as there's confusion of what you put into which waste stream, and there needs to be uh, a lot of information uh, campaigns for consumers to make sure that they're aware of which waste stream they are putting the right waste. Uh, as you may know, for the moment, it's different depending on each municipality on, on how they collect and what they collect in which waste stream. So uh, naturally now, uh, you also collect, you find a lot of conventional waste, plastic waste in, in food waste streams. Okay. And uh, in order to pick this out, there's no way of differentiating it. Uh, imagine uh, a whole load, if you ever been to a compost site, imagine the lorries coming in with a whole load of food waste and there's lots of plastic all over it. So how do you get rid of that? You try to pull everything out and you burn it. Um, but you will never get everything out. And that's again, in countries that have done that for a, much longer than the UK has shown this, you will never get out everything. And what happens is you break down the things and you'll have microplastics all over your food waste. And once you get it through the system or whatever gets out in the end, you'll always have microplastics in there. So by making sure that the applications that usually make it into the uh, organic waste streams are, are uh, compostable only in order to gather the food waste, then you make sure that it actually does break down and you won't have any microplastics in the end. Yeah, so it's just trying to avoid people putting the... So if somebody had used just a normal carrier bag instead of a compost liner, then it's avoiding that. Well, they did in Italy, for example, they mandated uh, carrier bags to be compostable only. And I know that's a consideration that is being thought about by DEFRA for the moment as well. Mm -hmm. So if this were the case, you'd only have compostable bags going into, into the food waste collections. Yeah. And uh, by this way, you would avoid having normal bags being chopped up in there. Yeah, that makes sense. One way or the other, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. So... We know we were talking about things biodegrading and compostables magically disappearing. Um, so a few people have said to us, well, if it all disappears, why can't we just chuck it on the floor when we're finished with it? Why bother about littering? And um, I'm guessing that's because it takes too long to break down. But what's the uh, official answer? <laughs> it's just for me, there's no miracle. There's no miracle solution. Nothing disappears just like that. And uh, as said, the, uh, our material is designed to break down to a molecular level in a compost environment. So it can be digested by the microbes and uh, in the end you get CO2 water and a bit of biomass. And, uh, and that is what the material is designed for. It's not designed for breaking down in an open environment. It probably does so faster than conventional, but it should never be littered. So we have to address the problem of littering yeah. uh, 
our solution is not a solution for everything. It's not silver bullet solution. It's just part of the solutions that address the problem of plastic waste in the environment. And for ours, I said over and over, it has to make it in its destined end of life. And that's a compost environment. Yeah, good. So we can carry on putting our stop it, don't drop it campaigns out and our don't throw on the go. (laughs) Keep reminding people that littering really is antisocial behaviour and should not be happening, whatever the product. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, you mentioned there about different types of plants. So we've talked about landfill sites before, energy waste plants, recycling plants, but we've also now heard about AD plants and IV plants. Can you just explain for lay terms what the difference is and does it really matter to citizens? What the, do, the, do we need to worry about that end of it or are we just good to read the labels and put the things in the right boxes? To make things more complicated, there's even more different types of compost plants and, and, and plants that deal with bio waste. It's uh, basically something called an open windrow, uh, which uh, basically puts out your food, your, your, your organic waste into big rows. And it's basically like a big compost heap in your garden. And then you have to turn it because you have to give that oxygen to it. And, uh, and then you have to further process it. It looks like huge rows out in the countryside. So it takes up a lot of space. Uh, the, uh, the same thing exists in a controlled uh, in-house environment in, called an in-vessel composting facility, which you mentioned, an AVC yeah. plant. Uh, and then you have a different type of plant uh, that works without the um, without the oxygen. That's why we're calling it anaerobic digestion or ID plant. And this one produces energy. Um, in this case, in order to be able to deal with uh, our compostable material, will require either pre or a post treatment of the digested that comes out of the of the ID plant before it can, uh, we can make sure that it really breaks down. This sometimes takes time. And we are currently working on to making sure that there's enough time uh, reserved or the, uh, the uh, operators of those plants have enough time. So our material really does break down uh, when it gets there. There's a lot of discussions we are having on, on how to get the organic waste there. Is there going to be the, uh, you know, if you have your, your compost site, it might deal with garden waste only. It might deal with a mix of garden waste and food waste. AD plants uh, ideally function on food waste uh, mostly. Um, so we are, there's current discussions on how to organize that. And we are actively engaged in these discussions. Okay, friends. Thank you. Thank you for all your time today and talking to us. I think it's been really interesting learning all about the compostable side of things. I think it's all very new. And um, I think we've still got lots of things that we need to learn and we may talk to you again soon it was a pleasure to talk to you amanda as always hopefully we'll have we can have a chat over there and in the uk again yeah look forward to seeing you soon thanks friends bye thank you amanda all the best thank you for joining the cutting confusion pledge to recycle plastics podcast we hope you've enjoyed today's episode and hope that you'll tune in next time to learn more about plastics recycling Until then, bye for now.